Invest in yourself today with our Insider Pro product, which gives you the career path to reach the next step in your cybersecurity journey. Join today on cyberaid.it using the discount code podcast. You're listening to the 401 Access Denied podcast. I'm Mike Rowan, VP of Engineering and CISO at Cyberary. Please join me and my co-host, Joseph Carson, Chief Security Scientist at Thycotic, as we discuss the latest news and attempt to make cybersecurity accessible, usable, and fun. Be sure to check back every two weeks for new episodes. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another exciting 401 Access Tonight podcast. Um, this topic today is going to be very exciting, and I'm back again, your host, Joseph Carson, um, joining in from Tallinn, Estonia, where it's uh, quite hot and steamy in the country at the moment. Uh, the temperature never lets us down, um, but I'm really excited. Kind of, this is going to be a fun conversation. We've got a special guest on today uh, to talk about a very, very hot topic that's on pretty much everyone's minds, not just in the U.S., but globally. And uh, also with me today again is uh, Mike. Mike, do you want to give us an introduction? Yep. Yeah, Mike Ruin, uh, co-host, uh, VP of Engineering and CISO here at Cyberary um, in lovely DC, which uh, very tightly coupled to uh, the topic today. Um, and Dan Lorman is also joining us. I'll let him uh, introduce himself. It's great to be with you guys. Thanks so much, Mike and Joseph. Um, I'm Dan Lorman. I'm the uh, CSO and Chief Security Officer and Chief Strategist and Security Mentor. Um, I have over 30 years in the security industry. So I actually started at the National Security Agency in Washington uh, in the mid-80s and uh, worked in England with Lockheed and Mantec uh, in the 90s, and then joined Michigan government for 17 years. So I had a lot of different roles in Michigan, uh, agency CIO, then after 9-11, I became the state's first CISO, first CISO in all 50 state governments, um, and uh, basically did that job for about seven years, then became CTO in Michigan, so all the CXO roles, guys. Uh, <laughs> CTO, like, bringing all the bringing all the data centers together, a lot of consolidations. Um, and then uh, Governor Rick Snyder came in. We, we actually uh, created a CSO role. So went from C, dropped the I and brought physical <laughs> and cybersecurity together. And um, actually, uh, Homeland Security, when DHS did that in Washington, they actually modeled it after what we did in Michigan. So we actually brought together physical and cybersecurity. So all the cameras, all the badges, all the physical security in the buildings, under one roof, and I ran that for over three years uh, before I joined Security Mentor. So we're involved in security awareness training. I do a lot of, uh, I blog for CSO Magazine and also Government Technology Magazine. You can uh, follow me on Lorman on Cybersecurity, at GovCSO is my Twitter handle, and uh, really talk about really everything related um, uh, to really government security, but obviously that plays in the private sector because you got a lot of private sector companies supporting government, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, glad to be with you guys today. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. It's great to have you on. And definitely, you know, we've had some very interesting conversations over the past and always exciting yeah. uh, uh, discussions. And today is none other than the kind of interesting and hot topic of the time, which is election hacking. It's yeah. really all about, you know, upcoming elections and presidential. And you've got a lot, you know, we've had a lot of experiences in the past. And really kind of get into is, is, you know, what have we learned from the past? Has anything changed? Are we getting better? Um, what types of things should we be concerned about? You know, especially given the pandemic and COVID-19 also does have you know, play into the ability for people to, to vote, not only securely, but also safely from, from that perspective. So a lot of interesting things coming. 
And, uh, you know, it's, it's really interesting. I will say that when I, when I think about, sometimes we get overemphasized, you know, even, even when we go to Black Hat and DEF CON and the conferences, and we also have the, the hacking election village that's there. And I also get it interesting that we sometimes tend to focus on just one aspect of election voting is the infrastructure, is the actual, the time you push the button on the machine to when it gets counted. And that's sometimes what we tend to focus on. But in my experience, when I look at election hacking, it's the overall process end to end, it's the service. And sometimes we kind of, you know, we don't look at the end to end service of it entirely. And we get overly involved, overly excited into the machines and into the firmware and into, you know, getting physical access. But I think we need to step back and look at the bigger picture and look at how it all connects together. And also, I think one thing that's also mistaken and not made transparent enough is the transparency over the security measures of each different method. You know, from whether you're going to you know, vote on paper, whether you're using a mobile device, whether you're using internet voting, as we do in Estonia, or whether you're using you know, uh, electronic voting, we mean going to vote, voting booth, is important to really reveal what's the security differences between those. Make it transparent. Make people more aware which one, you know, they may not care about the security, they just want to get the vote. Um, and others might be more conserv- you know, conservative, more worried about security, and therefore might choose a more secure method, but only if they knew which one was the right one that they would choose. So getting into to, to Dan, you know, when you hear about you know, election hacking and some of the experiences and the lessons learned and the reports that's revealed in the past, what keeps you up? What, what worries you about you know, the voting system itself and, and which things do you think should people be really thinking about? Well, first of all, I totally agree with your point, Joseph, about um, people process technology. It's the end to end. It is the process. It is, um, you know, I, I think we learned a ton over the last four years when you think about, I, mean, we, I started blogging about election security literally like before the, actually said, you know, could the election be hacked nine months before the 2016 election? Everyone was laughing at me, literally. I mean, I, I got mocked. By a lot of a lot of hackers and a lot of people saying, you know, your your fringe, your idiot, you're this, you're that. You know, the election could never be hacked. And this was like January of 16, before the 16 mm-hmm. election, and then all the way through after, you know, the you know what happened afterwards, and, and literally all the different, you know, Russian involvement, all the different mm-hmm. stories, really for the last four years. So, mm-hmm. been covering this for five years now, and. Um, I totally agree with you that, you know, it's much broader than the machine itself or the, you know, mm-hmm. counting ballots, especially now. And I think the, the thing keeping me up at night right now is, and we'll talk about it again, not taking any talking points one side or the other, mm-hmm. but um, the mail-in voting and especially, you know, the process, mm-hmm. I, I worry zero about mail-in voting for the states that have been doing it for a while. I worry mm-hmm. the number one thing I would say starting right off and back up and talk about a, a number of different things, but the states that have made the changes like literally in a matter of months and, right. and they, you know, these, these, they come up with these processes, these secure processes. I think it was a pretty good process. I mean, um, but the reality is that a lot of states, a number of states, and I'm not talking about the states that have had mail-in voting forever, states that have been all mail-in voting, which was a number of states have been, we can start naming them, but states that are making the changes kind of like, since June or since, you know, they, they decided to redo this, you know, under COVID, um, that concerns me probably the most. Mm-hmm. I also think, so, you know, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to ask, what about like the registration system? Because I think we focus yeah. a lot on voting, but the fact is if you can hack yes. earlier, you know, the, the other part of the process, you can invalidate an S ton right. of votes yep. just with the registration system. Absolutely. And so that was always the number one thing 
I totally agree, Mike. That was the number one thing with uh, when we first, you know, uh, I'm talking four years ago, you know, hack, hack the, do- the voter files, you know, right. um, the, uh, you know, I, I work a lot in Michigan. We worked a lot with the secretary of state there. I would say right now, I'm not formally working for any state government now. So actually, that's why, why I can talk to you guys if I was <laughs> be able to do it. But I, I know a lot of people that are. I talk to them literally every week. Um, I know what what's hot and what's not. And I and done a lot of blogging and writing about this. And, and um, uh, we'll talk about that maybe at the end. But you know, people get detailed comments have written on this. Um, but you know, it can almost go state by state. Um, but I agree, the voter files, uh, uh, the names, you know, if you can, you know, uh, delete people, if you can get in there. And then there's been no, documented um, interference in 16, 18, uh, early 2020 um, about those, you know, people trying to go after those voter files. There's mm-hmm. ex- examples of that. We can walk through those, trying to access and change names, delete names, add names, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and then also the other thing we haven't mentioned real quickly, Joe, I just mentioned this, um, is, is really... Um, the, the fake news issue, you know, if you can, disinformation. If you can go after, um, if you can, you know, change <laughs> even COVID conditions. If somebody I makes mean, fully expect, you know, what would you do if you were trying to disrupt an election, make it so people couldn't vote, didn't vote, yep. lack trust in the vote, mm-hmm. lack, you know, in the process, any kind of news, um, pile on, maybe there is a real story, pile on bad news, pile on good news, you know, you can influence things, influence behaviors. That's a big part of this as well. Yeah, yep. absolutely. And that's some some things that even even I've seen over, you know, in my entire career, what I've seen is the biggest challenge that many kind of from a political standpoint and election standpoint is voter suppression. Yeah. Is how to redraw. So even, even in the old times, you know, before, you know, electronic and, you know, electronic machines and stuff for voting, what way you could do it is basically redrawing county and border lines was yep. to, to move people and shift them around. And that basically changed a lot of the outcomes of a lot of elections. Yeah, Maryland is lines. one of the worst gerrymandered states in the uh, in the country. And that's where I live. Um, yep. It's It happens to be gerrymandered, you know, in a particular way, you know, but not, the, <laughs> you know, very differently than other states are gerrymandered, but it's one of the worst. Um, and you see that, yeah, the whole stacking and packing and, and that aspect of it as well. Although I feel like that's that's fringe, um, that's gray area hacking, right? That's where the government has there, there's people, there's a process there, right? Um, it's not in some outside individual doing it and having that influence. But yeah, you're at least it's transparent. I mean, whether you agree with it or not, you can argue with it. Like you know, forty nine, fifty one vote in in the House or the Senate on almost any issue. You know, you can right. have two sides to an issue. The gerrymandering, we have a lot of that in Michigan, by the way, as well. Um, <laughs> I totally agree with you. Um, but at least, you know, in theory, at least, I'm sure there's some backroom deals. It's 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 in the public domain. You can see the votes. You can see. You can even challenge it. it. Yeah. You can even yeah. challenge the gerrymandering or at least try to. Um, so, so, one so of the I things agree. I... Yeah, can I, 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 I agree, Dan, on, on, on that side as well. One of the things right. I think, though, is that on voter suppression, though, is, is what right. we look at today in, in the electronic side of things is basically is preventing people from registering the vote on time. Yeah. Is, you know, the DDoS types of attacks. But when we think about one of the things that, you know, sometimes when we look at is the, the, the let's say, cyber criminal, the hacking techniques, the most common thing is that they don't want to be, they want to be stealthy. They don't yeah. want to be detected. They yeah. want to be as quiet as possible. Yeah. Um, so what I think the biggest challenge right now, and it's something we've get all, all touched upon, is the confidence in the system itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. is that if people have no confidence 
in the outcome, they won't vote. And that's, that, I think ultimately that's the biggest thing is, 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 is if you have lack of confidence and there's so much disinformation out there, you have so much ability and so much challenges even to get registered, um, then people basically will take the other option and say, you know, we'll, we'll take whatever comes to us because we won't have an impact on the outcome. All right. I would agree. I mean, I, I would just add to that, you know, I, I think, you know, it's interesting just to understand, you know, I say more recently, and I, I don't know how many of the listeners have, you know, kind of know the history here and know kind of, you know, this, this uh, people do understand. There have been so many committees on this, there's money being thrown at it. People think there should be more money thrown at it, but there's a lot of money going into election security. We've been talking about it for four years. Um, there has been a lot more security. Homeland Security has gotten involved. The FBI has gotten involved protecting those databases. Um, a lot has been done. Okay, so on the positive side, and we could say a lot of negatives, and believe me, I could shoot holes in this hole. <laughs> but if you want to kind of lift, again, this is not Republican, Democratic. This is not, I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm being bipartisan here, trying to be or nonpartisan, um, and just say you want a result that we can trust and we can verify um, a lot of states, you know, had, you know, at the very basic level, a lot of states had um, electronic machines where there was no paper backup. You had no way of going back and verifying. I mean, all the states have pretty much gone. They have a paper. In theory, um, again, theory, the process is they, they, on paper. They've, they've got it on paper. They, they, they can see, you know, what was your vote? Um, they, they've, they've made a lot of other uh, changes to protect databases. Uh, there's a lot of, of good that has happened even coming into COVID. Now, I think why, am I, why, why I say mail-in voting, and I'm not, that may sound like a Trump talking point. I'm not trying to, it's not. I, I, I really, I, I, the concern that I have is change. Any change that people are making in the final, like anything else, you know, it's kind of like changing the rules of a football game. Mm-hmm. NFL does this every year. <laughs> you know, changing the rules, off-season, fine. You hope they don't change the rules of the of the baseball game or the football game, or say, you know, we're going to go with five strikes today, not three strikes, um, because somebody had an idea between games yet, you know, last night to today. You, that's not what you want. You want consistency. You want to say these are the rules. We're all going to play by it, and we're going to go with it. And and I think the challenge is I'm seeing a lot of states right now making a lot of changes that seem kind of ad hoc. I think. You know, we'll see a year from now, we'll come back and listen to this recording and see who was right and who was wrong. I think the concerns, I'm hoping it's clear and we don't have days and, and, and maybe even weeks before we know who the winner is. I think that would be disconcerting to everybody. Yeah. I also think, you know, the, the challenge is going to be, what is that process? And the answer is yes, because it's different <laughs> in every state. I well, mean, that's what I was going to ask about was, so it's different across states and you see some states have had mail and yeah. as you said, they've had this for a long time. What's the, you've been there. What's the cooperation look like between states so that like me and Maryland, like the, the fact of the matter is if I was going to hack the U S election, tell me I'm wrong. But my, my impression is I probably only have to target a handful of counties. I don't need to hack across the entire country. There's a handful of counties in swing States that I would focus in on. And if I could get those, then I could probably get those States. And then it's just a, a whole thing, a domino effect. So how do I, Maryland know that there's confidence, you know, how do I get confidence that States that are following best practices and cooperation? Is that, is that actually happening? I think there is cooperation. I mean, I, I generally tend to be an optimist, guys. And, and, mm-hmm. and I, you know, um, I do think there's a lot of cooperation. There's a lot of attention being done. 
Um, it, it is a political football on both sides right now. But again, taking the Democrat Republican talking points out of this thing, I do think there's a lot of attention. I mean, you know, it, it's it, in state government terms, I will tell you, I'm seeing this. We were talking about this in, in 2019 throughout the year before COVID. It's like election security was the pixie dust for everything. <laughs> you know, not getting funding, election security. Oh, okay. You know, here's, here's the cash. You know, just you know, go, go, go to room three, right? We got money down there. Um, literally, the, the states, you know, because of what happened in 16, um, there's been a lot of attention on it. I agree with you 100%. You would just focus on certain counties. I do think there's been a lot of cooperation. I think the big change recently is, you know, mail-in ballots. I mean, I've asked, and I'm not going to name states because I'm going to get in trouble if I do that. But, you know, states that, like, how do you get your mail-in ballot in? I think some states are still figuring out. Can you drop it off? Can you put it in the mail? Is it by some states it's, you know, you have to have it in there by the time the polls close, which just think about that. Um, well, so I'm curious though on that, cause I feel like almost every state has had absentee ballot and that's a mail-in ballot, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So wouldn't, th- wouldn't it just be a matter of sort of expanding that program a little bit or making it easier to get that absentee ballot? And then they already have the systems in place. It's not a huge, it's not like some huge significant change. So, so in theory, you're right. Um, but what, what, what happened, I love, I love, right in theory. <laughs> in theory, you're right. But what, what's happened is some states have gone like some states have been all mail-in ballot states, and that's all they've done, and that's great. I mean, they've been doing this for years. Right. Other states are now have changed the rules this year because of COVID and said, um, "Well, now we're going to mail out ballots to everybody, or we're going to mail out letters to everybody offering them a, a, a ballot." Um, I see. And, and again, you know, just because something was done well in Oregon or Washington state or, or somewhere else, doesn't mean that it's been done in Florida before. And, and, and again, like, or, or that's been done, maybe it's, I don't know, 1% of the vote or 2% of the vote. Mm-hmm. And they're now projecting that it's going to be 50 or 60 or 80% of the vote. So, so it's not, just think about that. Just think about, you know, your local help desk, think about your local, whatever it is, anything you do in business in technology or not. And, and, you know, you're going to have 40 times, 50 times, 20 times the number. I mean, that was the whole bending the curve with COVID-19, right? It wasn't that our health, it was just that we didn't want to overwhelm, well, not just, but one of the main things is that we don't want to overwhelm our healthcare system. It'll collapse. If everybody gets sick at the same time, everybody shows up at the hospital at the same time, that system won't be able to handle it. And what you're saying is basically the same is true for voting. If you had a voting, if you had a mail-in voting system that was able to handle 20, you know, 2%, 3%, whatever, and now it's got to handle 30, 40, 50%, it's going to be overwhelmed. Is that? And there's- yes, correct, correct. And I just, one other quick thing I'll let you get in here, Joseph, is, right. is and, and, you know, and I think every state, you know, has integrity in this sense. They come up with, if we talk about people, process, and technology in the beginning of this, but you say, okay, if Dan Lorman votes, okay, how do you know if I mailed it in that you didn't also show up at the poll and vote twice? Mm-hmm. How do you know you didn't make copy? I mean, they're very simple. You come up, any, we just sat and we come up with 20 different ways you could, you know, fraud, you know, defraud the system. So the checks need to be in place and the states are putting in those checks. So they're doing a good job of saying, okay, here's how we know if we get a, you know, here's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. If Dan votes in person and we get a mail-in ballot and, and, and what you won't have with me, I'm going to go in person. But um, I would just say the reality is how do we know that that's being followed? How do we know? So now we're down to auditing, 
We're down to, okay, the rules are this, three strikes. Well, why did you give Bill five strikes? I mean, you know, what, how do you know that it's being, it's back to the process thing. Mm-hmm. Joseph mentioned that yep. in the beginning. Is the, even when you have a process, what's the level of confidence that, that process is being followed yep. across the board in those key counties that you mentioned, Mike? Right. And, and so I am right that it would be just, like, that was the scary part is that I'm thinking about that, but I wasn't sure. I've never actually like verified with someone who would know that, but that is the case that like, there's just a handful of districts in purple States across the board that would need to be targeted. Well, in theory, that's right. I mean, I, okay. I think there's going to be, I mean, if you look at what happened again, I have this blog that I wrote for government technology magazine. You can Go out and read. It's a pretty long blog. It's like uh, one of my longer ones, almost 3,000 words. So huh. how election security has become a top issue. And it kind of just, it, it kind of gives you the history of all the different organizations in the national, you know, state legislatures, the, the auditor generals, the secretary of state offices, the, you know, the governors, all the different things being done. The, the National Governors Association has been involved in this. There's so many organizations that have committees around mm-hmm. election security. I mean, it's literally... It's probably well over a hundred committees on election security, which is a little bit concerning in and of itself. Well, right, exactly. If you want to solve a problem, you definitely want to throw more people at it. The more people, definitely, the the better everything will be. Which is going back, facetious. Yeah, going, but, going back <laughs> to one of the things that Dan that you mentioned as well is that you know I'm very familiar with the Estonian system here um, of the voting system that's been done here, and nothing's perfect. It's all about making sure that the, the goal, the, the, the focus that Estonian government took was actually they see themselves as being a service provider to the citizens. So their intention is to get as many people to vote as possible. Yeah. Right. Now, going back to one of the points that you made as well is about you could vote multiple times, um, different methods. And this, the same is possible in Estonia. I can go and vote on my phone multiple times, but it's only counted once. And it's only the last one that counts. So, you know, that should be the case is that, you know, if somebody just changes their mind, because somebody says something that isn't agreeing with them, that should be possible. You shouldn't, you know, if, if people are voting, you know, weeks in advance and then they change their mind, that should be, it should be allowed to change people's minds. But it should only, the last time that they register and sign or whatever the vote over, should be the one that counts. Um, so you need to be able to make sure that you have a solid identity system. And I think that's one of the core issues is that, and that's why one of the things that, you know, Mike, you've been mentioning as well is the different swing states, is that that's one of the key areas, you know, looking back. And that's why the registration databases become targets is because if you know which, if you can target the voter registration databases and you know where those swing states are going to be, you can then make sure that you target the right areas. And I think when I step back and I look at, it is very complex and, you know, different states take their own, own methods and own, own ways of, of how to do it. But I think that's actually also one of the benefits is actually the voting system in the U.S. is decentralized which is a good thing. I see that as a positive because having it decentralized makes an, a, a targeted attacker more difficult because they would have to change the vote in many locations and do it physically in many locations in order to really do it that way. But I think to your point, Mike, is that if you know, if you're able to get information in the registration databases and who's going to vote what way, then you only need to target that very far a few counties that will swing right. a state's outcome. Yeah, the decentralization is nice in that regard, right? You think about it as like, that's the benefit. But in reality, I don't think so, it's so, as... But yeah. So, so Dan, Dan, I have a question for you. You, know, you mentioned there's a lot of investment in the security of the, the, the elections and voting system itself. Is, it, is, the, is the investment going into specific areas or is it actually getting an equal across? Because one thing that I see is, is that in disinformation, in, in social media, you know, I, I think 
it's the companies in social media who've taken the initiative that are trying to do something about it. But I don't see any you know, uh, initiatives around uh, securing that or, or labeling it as from a government perspective. And then also we've got the voter registration and then you've got the campaigns, which then typically have unskilled people who's brought in temporarily in order to, to, to run the campaigns and secure the campaigns. I think it was awesome to see one of your, your colleagues, you know, um, was it getting hired as a CISO for, I think it was at the MC, for, for actually putting people in charge of security in those areas. And then also, um, and then there's the infrastructure itself. Are they being secured equally um, or is there kind of one that's been preferred over, over the other? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think um, you probably get different opinions on that from different people. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, the areas that have been getting, I think, the most money have been the machines themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, making sure you had paper backup, you can val- you know, validate things. That, that, that was kind of identified pretty quickly, mm-hmm. um, you know, from kind of 2016 to 2018. Um, I think there have been, you know, um, a number of efforts that are done at the federal level, um, you know, looking overall at, you know, we start talking about things like hacking and foreign influence and intelligence around, you know, what are they trying to do? How are they trying to do it? There's some great testimony. I mean, literally, you can listen to hours and hours of testimony. Just, you know, Google or my blog listed a lot of them as well. But um, you can go and you can listen to congressional testimony from different groups, um, different secretaries of states around the country um, on all the different threats from different countries, not just Russia, China, um, um, other places. Money has been gone, has gone to, you know, so some of it's been kind of an umbrella over overarching kind of a thing across the nation because nobody wants, you know, foreign governments to be, whether you talk about any kind of traditional um you know, techniques to, to do a cyber attack, whether that be DDoS, as you mentioned, Joseph, or whether that be, you know, whatever. There's a whole, you know, hacking the database themselves. A lot of attention on the databases, a lot of attention, certainly uh, a lot of attempts, um, no, noted attempts. You know, this has been on CNN, Fox News, all of it. You know, examples of where foreign governments have tried to influence. And then a, a big, big push around the whole social media thing, um, are you getting your news from Facebook? Are you getting it from, you know, whatever sources and trying to influence Twitter, trying, trying to influence. So I, I'd say money is going to all those things. I would say, um, has it been equal? Um, I mean, there's always states, I'll tell you, that want more money. So I, I've, right. I've never known I've never known a security officer to say, no, I, I've got plenty of money. I, I'm, I'm good. You know, just, you know, keep the money in Washington. You know, state governments by default are going to ask for that. They're going to have their hands out. And um, like I said, you know, the, the pixie dust has been election security. Mm-hmm. I think it will be probably well after this election. Um, and this is going to be an ongoing topic, guys. I mean, I, I would not be surprised if we're back here in four years talking about election security. <laughs> I mean, even two years. Because I'm curious what the process is. Sorry, go on. I'm sorry, Dan. Go ahead, Mike. Oh, no, I was just curious. Like, so you were talking about everything leading up to the vote, but what about the security? Like, where's the money going and, and process and stuff post? Like, I've, I've cast my vote and then there's all the counting and auditing and all of that. Like, you know, we talked about the registration, we talked about the voting, but what's happening on, on the other side of that? Um, on, because I feel like that's another area that I just don't have any insight into. Yeah, so there, there's money being spent. And I, I, I can, again, I'm not going to name states, but I, I, right. know, I know particularly I've been on calls in the last couple 
a couple months, um, a couple weeks, actually, um, it, where, you know, they're looking at, okay, I, I, you know, how do you get, so I, so let's just say you get an absentee ballot, you know, mm-hmm. even how can I get that in? Can I email that in? Can I take a picture of it with my cell phone and send it in? Um, I, I could do not, <laughs> in right. some states that's allowed. Um, you know, can I, can I, you know, do I have to, how do I know that's for me? How do I know that's not from Joseph? How do I know? Right. How do you know? Is anybody looking? So that back office process, there is money being applied to that and making sure that's a secure process. Um, and, and, and I think I said, you said, what, what, what do I worry the most about right now? There is money being spent on that process. You know, they are looking end to end. They are looking at the back office. They are looking at election night. They are, you know, down to that individual precinct. Um, I think there's a lot of fear around, okay, will they have enough volunteers because of COVID? Mm-hmm. Will people literally come in? A lot of the people around the country, I mean, this is really talking non-tech. This is about as low tech as you can get. A lot of the people tend to be more elderly. A lot of the people, they volunteer. They feel like it's their civic duty. So you go in America, to many parts of the United States, certainly in Michigan here, you have a lot of, and God bless them, they're, they're great people. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, in their 60s, 70s, 80s, they're in there kind of running the whole system. And it's the same people been doing it for years. And a lot, will they even be there on election day? Because right. of COVID, you know, being there with masks on and all the rest. So at a very basic level, is it going to be, you know, back to the people piece, who, you know, who physically is going to be there? Mm-hmm. But a lot of them, a lot of money being spent on that. I think, um, I think that, that process, my fear is it's, it's changing in a number of states right now. And will they get this ironed out? Prior to COVID was a big was a big wrinkle in a lot of election security plans. Right. It was not part of the playbook. It was not part of the exercise. I mean, I was a part of election security tabletops in 2019. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 COVID was not part of the strategy. COVID, right. A, pa- a pandemic happening in an election year was not one of those. Wasn't in the content the resiliency plan, I'm sure pretty sure. So, 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 Dan, I've got, I've got a question because one thing that we haven't really talked about, and at least in this year, and what played a big role in 2016 was Cambridge Analytica. Um, and one thing that I've been very adamant about is that, and it's going back to 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 campaigns, is when campaigns are are using you know data sources which could be considered you know Cambridge Analytica data source um, in many regarded as as a basically an artificial intelligence type of weapon. Um, in order that can be used in order to see about what things you need to do um, and getting that, um, let's say, through, you know, let's say not through consent and not understanding about what that data was being collected and being used for. So, and it hasn't been really kind of discussed this year. I haven't heard much, you know, discussions around. Do you, do you think that campaigns should be allowed to use data sources such as that? And if they do, you know, should it be transparent to the citizen about, you know, the data that the data sources that they're using it for? I think for me, that concerns me is really kind of is where they're making the decisions and where they're getting the data sources in order to spend the money on the campaigns. But the transparency is never there. Great point, Joseph. I I, my do I think I'm I'm not going to I'm going to be transparent (laughs) with you. I'm not going to answer part of your question. I will tell you that it's happening. 
I mean, I think it's a moot point because of super PACs and other ways that campaigns can, you don't need a, the campaign can be as transparent as you want. They have all these other people that don't fall under those same laws that are able to do all the same things, but unofficially. So I think that's, it's sort of a, it almost doesn't even matter what we think with regard to campaigns. Correct. And and that's exactly right, Mike. I agree. (laughs) You know, the cat's out of the bag. The the train's already left the station. The water's already over the waterfall. I mean, it's happening, guys. Right. Dan Lorman think it's right or not, or, you know, we're going to get into Mm -hmm. campaign finance and all the rest of it. I mean, people are getting the data. They're getting data Mm -hmm. in lots of ways. Analytics is huge. It's Mm -hmm. probably bigger this year than it was in 16. In my experience, both campaigns are using, you know, any, any way and every way they can possibly get data. They're using the data and they're targeting it. They're going to target to get the boat out. They're going to use it Mm -hmm. to, I mean, you name it, you know, slice it, dice it. We know, we all know the power of data and the analytics yeah. behind that. And I think, you know, just like the same thing with Facebook, we've had all these hearings. We could go in as a whole other spin on another, another show, but what's happening with all the big, you know, Facebook mm-hmm. and, and privacy and, and, and all of that, you know, the, all the global Google and, and what's happening with the big tech companies, mm-hmm. um, Will things really change? I mean, will there be more regulations? Some people say yes. Some people say no. Well, I, I don't think they're going to get broken up. I don't see right. it. It could happen. But mm-hmm. um, it, we discuss it. We talk about it. And then we move on to the next election. It doesn't seem like much has changed. I mean, I look forward to when they have enough analytics and data that I don't even need to cast a vote, right? They've, they've used AI to figure out how I'm going to vote, so. There was a movie about that called The Circle, wasn't there? That brain, that brain reading technology would just, you know, it's just going to automatically go in there and grab that, I grab your vote out of your yeah. brain. Right, they don't even have to read my brain. They just read my yeah. Facebook. Next time, <laughs> next, time, next time you travel and you walk through one of those airport scanners, it will actually, you know, cast your vote for you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Well, AI's heading there, guys. Yeah. That's, yeah. You know, make sure it's not a robot that's voting for you. We got to do that. I gotta do that. <laughs> we got to do that identity theft protection thing, Joseph. I mean, I think your, your point about what you guys do in Estonia, what, what people do, um, I, I'm a big admirer of what you guys have. You and I have talked about this. Yeah. I, I think what you guys do is amazing. I think it's really a global model. It's It's not where we're at in America, you know, the verification, you know, one person, one vote, mm-hmm. you know, it's all kinds of jokes around this, um, you know, vote, 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 you know, early and often and, and all often, the rest yeah. of it. I mean, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I don't think fraud is as bad as the, the Republicans say it is, but I don't think it's as good as the Democrats think it is. I, I, I think it's somewhere in between. Um, yeah. And I think that uh, this is going to be a really, really interesting year. Yeah. Um, because the wrench that was thrown in the engine is the pandemic. Well, I think what's also interesting, and again, back to the sort of what happens after, I think it's an exa- a really good example of security that I deal with on a regular basis, which is where that push and pull of a secure process and a fast process, right? You said it earlier, you don't want a process where it's going to take us months to figure out who actually won the election. You need to know you, you have some votes that are coming in immediately. So you're going to start seeing those results. And then if people start counting votes, manually through the mail or through whatever, and it starts to swing the other way, then there's going to be all kinds of questions of like, Mm. was there fraud? Wasn't there? So you need this like efficient process. And that's like that push that like such a like push and pull that's so typical between security and sort of the business side of the business, whatever, you know, we need this done and that push and pull and making like, and that's what worries me is that speed and the sort of the business side is going to, 
drive a lot of decisions where maybe security or or that um, will have to make compromises, which this, is never is a good thing. Yeah, this is one of the things in Estonia that Estonia focused on. You know, um, the whole thing here, it, it actually started off, you know, post-Soviet era. Back in 1991, the whole reason why Estonia went down this path of, of digital identity and, and, you know, electronic voting was back in, in, in during Soviet, you know, Soviet era was that their history was changed so many times. <laughs> it was the history kept getting changed. And going back to the whole purpose why you have paper balance is integrity and auditability, non-repudiation of the vote itself. And ultimately, Estonia realized, and, and, and they went down a paperless society, which turned into a digital society, which turned into the government being a service provider. Right. And ultimately, to the point where that we got to really having a, a very efficient digital identity online, where I can go to get online prescriptions, I can vote, I can go to a vending machine, I can park my car. There's many things. I can do my tax in two clicks, um, literally within less than three minutes. It just depends on how fast your computer is and internet connection. And but that's also because you trust your government. I mean, there's there's well, the well, problem in the U.S. is that digital identity is definitely going to be controversial here. And, and it goes back to, it's not about, it's the way that the government took it was is that they didn't take it as a backdoor that the government can actually see everything you're doing. They actually made it as a front door, meaning that the government is also transparent to the citizen about everything that the government has access to and sees. Mm-hmm. So if you actually make it that it's a reversal situation, because it then, it builds, it's a two-way trust. And that's the only way to build it is that trust is bi-directional. It's not one direction. And for the citizens to trust the government, the government has to be transparent to the citizen and vice versa. You have to have that ability in order to create that. And, and during, during the pandemic in Estonia, people were able to still do online shopping, online schooling, and also vote online, all in the safety of their home. So right. that was one of the things. And, and it got to the point where even the innovations, even in a post-2000, it's not perfect. There is security flaws. It's about being transparent in the security flaws. It's about knowing the risks and doing things to reduce those. And, and some of the, you know, the implementations was around using blockchain for the non-repudiation of the digital data. So therefore, your government can't manipulate the results themselves directly. I think Estonia is going to be the model. I mean, I, we've got to we've got to head there. Yeah. We've got to get there. I think not enough. We're going to be there in four years, but we're certainly not there this year. And I do agree with you, Joseph, that the, the challenge is going to be the process this year. You know, how do yeah. we um, how do we know? You know, again, back to you know. I'm kind of hoping it's not a really close vote. <laughs> I mean, right. it's, 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 I mean, yeah. some states it may not make any difference. I mean, you know, you know, counting late ballots or whatever in California probably isn't going to make a whole lot of difference. But you know, in some states, obviously the the swing states, the six or seven, one of them's Michigan here that I live in. Right, um, it's going to be really key, and and I think um, it's going to be really interesting to see. And I, I just hope we don't have guys, but I fear we might. Mm-hmm. I hope we don't have that kind of that hanging Chad moment of 2000 mm-hmm. of, you know, and everyone's, you know, there's pictures of the guy looking at the Chads and right. what happened in Florida with, you know, Bush beating Gore. Um, you know, I, I it were this, it won't be the hanging Chads this time. It will be like, was it, you know, Joseph, you mentioned, is it, was it his vote in person? Was it, was it the mail-in ballot? Was it, and how do we know it wasn't counted twice? Um, mm-hmm. And again, I, I think there are processes in place. I don't want to. I don't want to instill fear in the audience. I think there are there are processes that can that can do this. The question is, how do we know they're going to be followed, and, and and how do we verify those things, especially where the changes have been made in the last ninety to one hundred twenty days during the pandemic? And how well are they being communicated? Because Joe brought up a great point, which was 
you know, if, if I do vote twice, if I vote in person and I vote by mail and whatever, I don't actually know in Maryland, which of those, I mean, I'm sure I can look it up. I just don't know um, which of those would actually count. And I don't know where I'd even, you know, I'm sure if I Google it hard enough, I'll, I'll probably find it, but I don't know that that's being communicated effectively either. When you think about um, that process too, it's like, what if you voted for a different person? I mean, well, right, exactly. What if they don't they, line they up? Them both out. Does your vote not count at all? I mean, in some right. states, I mean, that's why I kind of go back to that hanging chat story. It's funny to go back and read those stories. It's like under this condition, we're gonna we're gonna count it as a Gore vote, or this condition is a George W. vote. And then if it's this condition, it, it's 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 a it's a it's a wasted ballot. It's a it's a spent ballot. Mm-hmm. So right. nobody nobody gets the vote. So I mean, in the case of or it's could it even be the process again? Different states may have different processes, but um, you know, what if you vote three times for the same person? Do you, do you throw out all three votes? There's none right. of the votes count because you're not, you know, the law says, you know, you can do one or the other and you're not supposed to do both. So, I mean, again, the challenge is I, I hope we don't get down to that close of a vote. Um, that's about well, big fear. I also hope that the sort of that collision process doesn't invalidate votes, right? If that's, if it's that easy for me to, if, if somebody votes and it's all I have to do is send in another sort of contradictory ballot to invalidate their ballot, their vote, that's also problematic. I mean, that's um, that, you know, like, so hopefully there's some really solid rules to make sure that the vote, like, I don't know, like, how do you verify that I voted for this and that yeah, which one of those is going to count? That, that, right. That's yeah. the Republican fear. How, how do we know that somebody didn't make 10 copies and mail in 10 different things? Or, or somebody, your guy across the street got your mail or some, you know, somehow, right. you. I mean, this, how do we know it was you? I mean, that, that's right. the trans- the this is the transparency piece. This is going back to the transparency is that how does every citizen in the U.S. know that their vote counted? Right. That it actually went to, to the final vote. And if they made a mistake, how do they know, you know, what can they do in the future to rectify it? It's that transparency with the citizens. And that's, that's what I'm saying. It's always a two-way trust. It's always bi-directional. You have to know what you did was correct. So you don't repeat the same mistake. And maybe people didn't know that they were doing something incorrectly and they just repeat the same mistake. And therefore, they continually over multiple votes over years are voting incorrectly and it never gets counted. Right. But I think that's such a cultural thing. Um, I mean, the U.S. is founded on question your government, question it, you know, like, so the, the, that trust is... I, I think it's actually a really hard problem to solve in the sense that we don't have a lot of trust in our government officials and in our governments in general. Um, there is a lot of uh, skepticism about what they do with our data and how they handle our data. I mean, I, I mean, I know things that I, I don't I want to take this conversation in a totally yeah. different direction, but you know what I mean? And so I think the idea of a national ID, that's very, very controversial national um, or even a statewide, like, digital ID is going to be just a, a really sticky wicket. So I did a, I did a calculation and I took the <laughs> same model that Estonia had and I actually applied it. If, if it, it doesn't have to be the same model. It just has mm-hmm. to look at how do you, you know, stop people from wasting their time, which is ultimately the process of the voting. You have a process that wastes a lot of t- people's time. And in Estonia, it was that they were saving up to six to seven uh, days per year of GDP of the country um, mm-hmm. by having this process in place. And if you actually applied that model to the U.S., even, even you know, just getting close to it, the U.S. would save $1 trillion U.S. dollars per year in wasted, you know, stopping people from wasting their time. 
What if we all use public transit, if we all use public transit instead of clogging up the beltway, the same the same logic yep. applies. But yet, Correct. there's a cultural thing of I don't that that's just it doesn't doesn't translate. Yeah. Well, especially during a pandemic, where people don't want to. Be <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> you come up with a great process, and then you know, along comes the pandemic. I mean, I, I think. I really do think we were on track for a much better result this time. <laughs> I do think the pandemic, I really mean that. I, I, I was, I'm an optimist. I'm actually, you know, I'm a government bureaucrat, sorry. Uh, no, but I actually think we, we, have a real, we had a really good thing going. We were ready to rock and roll. But I, I think people were more aware of the people trying to influence in them. Just being aware that, hey, Russia's trying to influence your vote. China's yeah. trying to influence your vote. You know, your Facebook. I mean, people were more aware. People saw what happened last time. They're not going to be... Maybe, like I said, not as trusting that that message is really from my friend or, you know, whatever. I think people, a lot of those things were corrected. I, I think the challenge is going to be, again, how do we know, um, you know, and by the way, the other piece we have, you didn't mention, Mike, I just want to say real quick, Listen. in the U.S., we have more lawyers than anywhere in the world. <laughs> well, yeah, no, don't get you right. Exactly. Tort reform is a huge issue. <laughs> they don't have their people there. I mean, it was just always so funny. I, again, I picture the guy back to 2000. I, I'm, I'm thinking as they're casting these, you got a Republican lawyer, a Democratic lawyer, the counter, you got six people all looking at this card with the microscope and, and, and with the magnifying glass, you know, and it is some really funny pictures from, from Florida in, in 2000. Right. So, so, I mean, you're going to have a lot of lawyers. You're going to have, there's going to be processes in watching it. And again, it's, I think that's the thing that's keeping me up at night, even more than hacking of voter files um, yeah. or hacking of machines. That's personally for Dan Lorman. I, I think absolutely, Dan, there's a lot has improved over the last four years. Absolutely. You know, from uh, one thing, as I do say, you know, the social media companies, you know, starting to flag political or even you know, prevent political statements on those platforms. I think that was one step forward. So people get a bit more of context because the biggest problem we lose in internet is context is, is where was the original source of things that came into my, you know, did it really come from my friend? Um, you know, those, those uh, you know, trends. So I think that's one great thing. And I think um, also the reports that came out from the agencies in the US about what happened in 2016 mm -hmm. as well and in prior to that yeah. being transparent. And I think even starting to see, even I think that even started a trend, even now we're seeing a lot more reports getting revealed about not just election hacking attempts, but also other types of things like ransomware and, and malware that's also attempted, that it's now got the agencies more willing to be more cheerful and more, you know, really re revealing those public reports. And that's a great step forward as well. So we're not getting people have invisibility. And then also investment in the states and actually improving the election, the machines themselves and, the, and also protecting the databases. So out of all those things, what's, you know, what, what's your kind of, what's, the, what's the, the fear that you have in the upcoming elections? Is it the COVID scenario that, you know, the resource issue? Um, is there any type of, you know, hacking thing that would be the, the one that we should be aware about? Which, which is the kind of the one that you would kind of indicate is the problem the or the confidence side. It's just the disinformation of the confidence in the outcome as well, if it does become very close. Yeah, I, th I think it's the timing. I think, you know, people in America, people want to hear on election night, they want to hear, mm. you know, the concession speech and, the, and they want to see the president by midnight, whoever wins. Um, I, you know, a lot of people are predicting, again, um, I don't know that I want to make a prediction <laughs> here, but I, I, I I, yeah, that, that it, could, it, it literally, if it's really close, could could come down mm -hmm. to days, and it won't yeah. be, 
It, it may not be by, you know, you wake up in the morning, you go to bed at midnight, you wake up in the morning, you may not know who the next president mm-hmm. is. I mean, I think that that scenario of, of, you know, that's what the stock market doesn't like. The stock market doesn't like unknowns. It doesn't yeah. know, like to know indecision. Um, I, I think if it comes down to a handful of states and it's really close, you're going to see a lot more scrutiny around these processes we're talking about and, and, and what changed in the last, you know, since, since April 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, and, 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 and maybe even, hopefully it becomes clear who the winner is and, and, and hopefully maybe we won't, maybe we'll dodge this bullet. I really pray that we do, but you know, I, I, I just, um, if we get down to that level of hanging chads, that's where I think it's going to get ugly because because it's going to be like, well, how was this decided? And who said that it's, you know, back to your scenarios, Mike, who said that if I sent in two, you know, two ballots and, you know, if we change the rules, does that change the winner? Right. If if it, if it, if, if we change the rules, like I can, oh, I I changed my mind that I voted the day of, and so I I I flop my vote. Do we count that vote, or does it does it wash because I voted for the other candidate three days earlier when I mailed in my ballot? I mean, right. if, if 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 somebody then says you change if you change that decision that was made in April or whatever, and that changes the result, I mean, we get that that now we're talking really close, right? Yeah, and that's that's my biggest fear, Joseph. Um, I think we should uh, maybe wrap it up on something, uh, uh, but maybe something on the positive side, maybe rather than fears and whatever. I mean, I think we already touched on a fair bit of all the, all the uh, benefits we, you know, all the things that have happened recently and all the uh, strides we've made. I I don't know, Dan, if you had any final thoughts on that um, before we go on. I mean, guys, listen, I do think that we have a lot of very good, capable, competent people that are looking at this Mm -hmm both at a state-by-state level. I'm a believer in state government technology. I, I, I mean, I, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> in 17 years, I generally, I don't think you can be in cybersecurity without being an optimist that good's going to triumph over evil. I really believe <laughs> that. I, I really believe that, guys. And I, I think you got the FBI, you got the, all the intelligence agencies helping out. You know, I think, you know, we can, we can do this. We can do it successfully. And we can, we can have a really good election result. Um, you know, the harder it gets is the closer it gets. And I think what happened in 2000 doesn't have to be. I'm not pretending that it's going to be the same. I actually mm-hmm. am optimistic that we won't have that situation. I, I hope we don't. Um, but that was a very, very close election that came down to right. one state. And, and, and it's never really happened anything like that in our, in our history. But um, so, yeah, I, I, I feel like a lot of good progress has been made. And um, I, I think that... Uh, uh, people should become educated. If you're really interested in this, if you're nervous about this, read up, you know, contact your, your local people. Um, and you know, whether you're, co- I say congressman, call your congressman. No, but, uh, <laughs> I'd say, you know, definitely, you know, there, there's a lot of really good projects happening and I think we can be encouraged about that. Uh, I completely agree, Dan. And I think well, you know, my summary from, from, from the discussion is really is that a lot of positives have been made, a lot of you know, um, improvements and transparency. Um, and I think for my key takeaway here for the audience is, is that I think it's really important is to, is to participate. If you, if you are interested in it, vote. Don't, don't let it go to waste. And, mm-hmm. and if you are concerned about you know, what is the right way, I think that's the important part is the state should make sure it's transparent into what the options are and what actually becomes a valid vote, how to vote correctly. 
I think mm-hmm. is, is the transparency. So you don't, you know, get into a situation where, you know, invalidate your own vote by, you know, voting incorrectly or multiple times. Um, so I think the key takeaways here, you know, is, is definitely participate, get out and vote and, and do, do it safely as well. You know, you know, the pandemic is um, at the heights and still, you know, has a swing again. Um, do it in a way that, you know, focuses your health, you know, take, take that as a priority as well. But, uh, you know, Dan, your insights, and it's very educational for me as well, because I do kind of look at it and do the comparison between Estonia and the U.S. all the time. Um, but, I, I, you know, I understand it's a complex system, and I understand that uh, there is very differences. And, you know, sometimes even Estonia may not be able to fit perfectly or, or into that model. Um, but I think that, you know, it's, it's positives have been made. But my thing, I think, is still what needs to be made more is that transparency, is the transparency in, in how it works. Uh, to the citizens so they know how to do it correctly. So, right, right, and I think that goes into my sort of my my t- key takeaway is is more around the get involved. It's it, it's vote, but also get involved. Understand how the election system in your in your state works. Have it oper- That's where you have the opportunity to potentially influence. You know. Uh, it's at the state level. You're voting for the people who are making those rules and deciding those rules. Um, make sure that they have a good sense of how to how to handle it. Um, I think that's really my key takeaway: is really how how to get involved and and make sure that you are getting involved. So yeah, absolutely. So awesome, many thanks, Dan. It's awesome having you on the show, yep. and I'm really looking forward to having more. It's I think it's been way too long since we've chatted. So, absolutely. Um, now I interviews with you for my blog as well. I, we did. <laughs> talk about how you guys do it so well, elections so well in Estonia. Yeah. So, so I think for my summary is, you know, for the audience, you know, primarily is your safety is the, is the number one thing. Your health and safety is, is the priority, uh, but do participate. You know, you know, the voting does have an impact on your future and your lives and kids and everything out there. So um, it's important to participate. Hopefully this has been educational and, you know, it's given you some insights into what we fear, you know, the worries that we have, but also the positives that have been made. Um, so, you know, please do get involved, you know, follow Dan. His blogs are awesome. I really enjoy reading them all the time. Um, and he's a great uh, insight and mentor and, and, and you know, educator in awareness and security in general. So it's awesome having Dan on the show. Stay safe out there. Make sure, you know, these podcasts come out every two weeks. So, you know, do come in, subscribe, listen, follow us. Um, you know, we always, you know, enjoy to help educate, share the knowledge and have a fun time at the same time. So again, Dan, thanks for having you. Thank you. Thank you. Learn how your team can get a free trial of Cybrae for Business by going to www.cybrae.it slash business. This podcast is also brought to you by Thycotic, the leader in privileged access management. To learn more, visit www.thycotic.com.